Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The main thing I think we can take away from this is, is that God is holy and he is absolutely deserving of our very best. And who we are is sinful people. And again, I, I know I reference this uh, a lot throughout these chapters, reading through them. Um, praise the Lord for Jesus and making one sacrifice, one sacrifice for all of our sins. How do you view your relationship with God? Is it one where you always feel like you need to prove yourself to Him? Maybe if you just did this or that better, then He'd forgive your sins and love you more. Well, Pastor James shares that because of Jesus' sacrifice for your sins, past, present, and future, your sins have been covered. While the Israelites had to continually make sacrifices to God to cover their sins, Jesus took care of your sins once and for all. All you have to do is put your faith in Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus, chapter 5, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar for the burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all the goat's fat, just as he does with the fat of the peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar and it will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Okay, now uh, hopefully you're catching on to some of this stuff, and you should maybe make a little note or a highlight or star by that repeated phrase, will be forgiven, and you will be forgiven, because this plays into our New Testament times, so to speak, where Jesus, as the perfect sacrifice took all of our sins upon himself, died on the cross, spilled his blood for us so that you will be forgiven, okay? So whatever it is, if you present it to the Lord, you will be forgiven. Like, that's it. As matter of fact as it was for these guys, Back in the day, they're at Mount Sinai, and Moses is throwing down all the, you know, here's how we're going to offer offerings to God. But here's what this means for you. It means you will be forgiven for you and I to walk in this forgiveness with Jesus, confessing our sins. If you got something, or maybe he makes you aware of something within your life that needs to be confessed, you confess it, and you will be forgiven. And that's it. There's a period after that statement. There's no room for the enemy to come in and say, well, but really? But really? So if you were forgiven of that, then why'd you do it again? Well, because I'm a little hard-headed, I guess, right? I guarantee you all these people, none of these people made one sacrifice for once in their life. This was a repeat thing. You probably had, if you had some honest people within the group, they're probably showing up multiple times. They're like, 
yeah, I know I was here this morning, but then when I left, I got in a traffic jam, and uh, so I had to grab another goat and come back. And I hope that the traffic has lessened up so that when I go home, I don't have to turn around and come back for the evening sacrifice, right? <laughs> like, that's, that would have been me, right? I would have been getting in all my steps, right? Like, from home to, like, I gotta go back, I gotta go back. We're running out of animals, I know, I know. Um, and it's only Tuesday, right? And you're like, slow down. Praise God that in Christ, you will be forgiven. Yeah, but you don't know. You will be forgiven. You will be. It's a done deal. And that's your sin offering. Um, The young unblemished bull, just as a side note to that, is the costliest animal for an Israelite. It's the costliest animal. Again, I already mentioned that, but just want to make sure that you understand that. Concerning a an unintentional sin, God's like, okay, there will be forgiveness for you, but a sacrifice has to be made. Sacrifice has to be made. Now, chapter five takes a, a little bit of a turn, and then in the middle of chapter five, we will get our our guilt offering. Okay? But look at chapter five, verse one. If you are called to testify about something you have seen or that you know about. It is sinful to refuse to testify, and you will be punished for your sins, right? So now he takes a little turn and he says, let's talk about community life in Israel, and let's talk about justice and consequences, something our world knows nothing of. And it's, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised at our leaders, uh, and they're so, like, they're, they have no idea of, like, how is a, sin, how is a crime so bad? I'm like, well, you keep letting the criminals out, then the crime's going to be bad. Now, I don't have my degree in law enforcement or anything like that, but I think it's a common sense thing. And I think when you move away from consequences, then you're going to have more crime. <laughs> I think that's how that works. And I think the Bible is very clear on there, have to, there has to be consequences. There has to be consequences. So let's look at this. He says, if you're called to testify about something you've seen, you've witnessed a crime happen, and you refuse, you're in trouble. (laughs) You're in trouble. That's a sin. It's sinful to refuse to testify. Man, this kid, this needs to be applied in our society today. How many people are hiding out in their homes, and they don't want to testify about a crime that they know about or that they've seen? Why, I get it. There's a fear of retaliation. I understand that. But my goodness, that's an injustice. That's an injustice. And, and this was an issue back then. And Moses, obviously from directed direction from the Lord, is saying, oh, by the way, if you see something that happens that's wrong, you need to speak up. You need to speak up. It's sinful to refuse to testify. You're going to be punished for that. You're going to be punished for that. Crazy. Verse 2. Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that is ceremonially unclean, such as the carcass of an unclean animal, right? You just happen to like, maybe you trip and you fall and you're like, what did I trip over? Oh, no. It was an unclean animal. Okay? Now I'm unclean. What do I do? It says, when you realize what you've done, you must admit your defilement and your guilt. You're like, I didn't mean to. It's okay. It's not as bad as it sounds, all right? So this is true, whether it is a wild animal, a domestic animal, or an animal that scurries along the ground, right? It's just, if it happens, and you aware, become aware of it, just own it. Just own it. Make it right. That's what I always say. Make it right. Just make it right. 
Or suppose, verse 3, you unknowingly touch something that makes a person unclean. When you realize what you've done, you must admit your guilt. Oh, I touched that. Shouldn't have touched that. Lord, I'm sorry. I just touched that dead animal, and I didn't really mean to. My apologies, right? Like, I, I've, you just own it. That's all it is. It's very simple. Or suppose, verse 4, you make a foolish vow of any kind, whether it's uh, purposes for good or bad. When you realize it's foolishness, you must admit your guilt, right? So don't be too quick to speak. Don't be too quick to speak, right? Somebody's talking to you and they're like, hey, you know, what about this? And oh yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I'm going to do that for you. Woo. And then you walk away and you're like, I can't do that. Uh, And then the Lord's like, well, okay, admit it and own it, right? And also probably tell them that you made a foolish vow, okay? You're like, hey, about the thing I told you I could do, I can't do that. I can't do it, right? Verse 5, when you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin. Then you must bring to the Lord as a penalty for your sin a female from the flock, either a sheep or a goat. This is a sin offering with which the priest will purify you from your sin, making you right with the Lord. But if you cannot afford to bring a sheep, you may bring to the Lord two turtle doves or two young pigeons as the penalty for your sin. One of the birds will be for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. You must bring them to the priest who will present the first bird as a sin offering. He will wring its neck, with, but without severing the head from the body. Oh, praise God for that. Um, then he will sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering against the sides of the altar, and the rest of the blood will be drained out at the base of the altar. This is an offering for sin. The priest will then prepare the second bird as a burnt offering who is now stressing out because he saw what happened to his buddy. He's like, oh, great, I'm next, right? Yeah. Um, Following all the procedures that have been prescribed through this process, the priest will purify you from your sin, making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. But if you can't afford two turtle doves or two young pigeons or to bring them, you may bring two quarts of choice flour for your sin offering. Since it is an offering for sin, you must not moisten it with olive oil or put any frankincense on it. Take the flour to the priest who will scoop out a handful as a representative portion. He will burn it on the altar on top of the special gifts presented to the Lord. It is an offering for sin. Through this process, the priest will purify those who are guilty of any of these sins, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. The rest of the flour will belong to the priest, just as, it, just as with the grain offering. And you may be thinking like, what is the big deal? What's the big deal? So I told a little lie. What's the big deal? And God says, no, I define what's a big deal. No, I define that. I know your culture would have you to think this, but I define worship. I define what it means to be my follower. God sets the, par- the parameters and the boundaries. God tells us what, what is worship and what is not worship. It is a big deal because it's a hard issue. Ultimately, it's a hard issue. And that's what the Lord, I think he's using some of these like small examples to highlight the fact that in here, in our hearts, man, we're just sinful people. We're just sinful people. And it's a miracle there's any animals left on this planet, right? <laughs> I mean, my goodness, if there, was no, if there was no once and for all sacrifice, if we were really honest, uh, every animal would be on the endangered species list, right? Because it's like, oh, gosh, I, the, more, man, the, Lord, the more the Lord reveals to me 
how my heart truly is, I'm like, it's just desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked. Here's the guilt offering. And then we'll wrap this all up here. Then the Lord said to Moses, if one of you commits a sin by unintentionally defiling the Lord's sacred property, you must bring a guilt offering to the Lord. The offering must be your own ram with no defects. So this is, again, a different, different kind of animal here. Or you may buy one of equal value with silver as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Okay, so this is where we get some of that temple stuff we were going through in, in uh, the Gospel of Mark. Okay, so but you got to provide this this animal. If you don't have that animal, well, then you can you should be able to buy one at the sanctuary. Okay, you should be able to get one there. You must make restitution for the sacred property you have harmed by paying for the loss plus an additional 20%. Whoa, that's it. You want to keep people from making mistakes and all that stuff? Yeah, tack on 20%. Like, hey, you stole that person's car? Guess what? You give them back their car, and then you're going to pay them 20% of what that thing's worth. You stole their money, you give them back their money, and then you're going to give them 20% extra. I think you'd see crime rates drop significantly. If people are actually held accountable, we don't even hold them accountable for the wrongs that they do. Slap them on the wrist. Go spend some time in jail. We won't hold you there. Well, we will if we can make money off of you in prison because we do that too. We're so messed up here. There are no consequences, but here God's like, oh no, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. Like not just you're repaying what you, what you messed up. Oh, you're paying extra. You're going to pay extra, right? That's a good deterrent for, for crime. So there's that 20%. When you give the payment to the priest, he will purify you with the ram sacrifice as a guilt offering, making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. Suppose you sin by violating one of the Lord's commands. Even if you are unaware of what you've done, you are guilty and will be punished for your sin. For, an offer, for a guilt offering, you must bring to the priest your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you from your unintentional sin, making you right with the Lord, and he will forgive you, or and you will be forgiven. This is the guilt offering, for you've been guilty of an offense against the Lord, right? So similar to the sin offering, uh, but there's a, you know, the concept of restitution is included within this offering, okay? Now, chapter six, chapter six, six and seven actually go real quickly because it, it kind of gives you like, further instructions concerning what we just went over. So this is the beauty of it, right? Um, Chapter 6, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Suppose one of you sins against your associates and is unfaithful to the Lord. Suppose you cheat in a deal involving a security deposit, or you steal or commit fraud, or you find lost property. This is concerning the guilt offering. uh, And lie about it. Or you lie while swearing to tell the truth. Or you commit any other such sin. If you have sinned in any of these ways, you are guilty. Guilty. But, but, no, but your honor, not guilty. Guilty. Okay, no excuses. It's guilt. You must give back whatever you stole or the money you took by extortion or the security deposit or the lost property you found or anything obtained by swearing falsely. You must make restitution by paying the full price plus an additional 20% to the person you have harmed. Man, can we, can we implement this in our world today? My goodness. 
On the same day, you must present a guilt offering. As a guilt offering to the Lord, you must bring to the priest one of your own ram or your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value and you can't buy it with the money you stole. And nor can you offer the the ram that you stole from that person or you swindled out of them. It's got to be your own. It has to be your own. It says you can buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you before the Lord, making you right with him, and you will be forgiven for any of these sins you have committed, right? So don't commit these sins. However, if if you do, there is forgiveness for those sins. But there's also a price to pay when you intentionally sin against somebody else. Concerning the burnt offering, verse 8, then the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the burnt offering. The burnt offering must be left on top of the altar until the next morning. And the fire on the altar must be kept burning all night. In the morning after the priest on duty has put on, um, has put on his official linen clothing and linen, linen undergarments, he must clean out the ashes of the burnt offerings and put them beside the altar. Then he must take off these garments, change back into his regular clothes, and carry the ashes outside the camp to the place that is ceremonially clean. Verse 12. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning, and it must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. That's a little place where you put a side note of like, Lord, keep the fire burning in my heart at all times. May it never go out. The grain offering. Verse 14, these are the instructions regarding, regarding the grain offering. Aaron's sons must present this offering to the Lord in front of the altar. The priest on duty will take the grain offering, offering a handful of choice flour moistened with olive oil together with all the frankincense. He will burn this representative portion on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Aaron and the sons may eat the rest of the flour, but it must be baked without yeast eaten in a sacred place within the courtyard of the temple or the tabernacle. Remember, it must never be prepared with yeast. Yeast is always symbolic uh, of sin, okay? I have given it to the priests as their share of the special gifts presented to me. Like the sin offering and the guilt offering, it is most holy. Any of Aaron's male descendants may eat from the special gifts presented to the Lord. This is their permanent right from generation to generation. Anyone or anything that touches these offerings will become holy, set apart. We'll break down the next, uh, the next one, okay? Verse 19, then the Lord said to Moses, on the day Aaron and his sons are anointed, so this is ordination, they must present to the Lord a standard grain offering of two quarts of the choice flour, half of the, uh, have to be offered in the morning and have to be offered in the evening. It must be carefully mixed with olive oil, olive oil and cooked on a griddle. Then slice this grain offering and present it as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. In each generation, the high priest who succeeds Aaron must prepare this offering, uh, this same offering. It belongs to the Lord and must be burned up completely. This is a permanent law. All such grain offerings of a priest must be burned up entirely. None of it may be eaten. Last little bit, 24 through 30, as I realize I'm not going to make it through seven. Oh, man, I lied. Um, oh, don't worry. I'll make an offering for that. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so then the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the sin offering. The animal given as an offering for, the, uh, for sin is the most holy off- 
offering. It must be slaughtered in the Lord's presence at the place where the burnt offering is uh, or are slaughtered. The priest who offers um, the sacrifice as a sin offering must eat his portion in a sacred place within the courtyard of the tabernacle. Anyone or anything that touches the sacrificial meat will become holy. If any of the sacrificial blood splatters on a person's clothing, the soiled garment must be washed in a sacrificial or a sacred place. If a clay pot is used to boil the sacrificial meat, it must then be broken. If the bronze pot or a bronze pot is used, it must be scoured and thoroughly rinsed with water. Any male from a priest's family may eat of this offering. It is most holy. But the offering for sin may not be eaten if its blood was brought into the tabernacle as an offering for purification in the holy place. That goes back into the book of Exodus when there was uh, purification within the tabernacle itself. It says it must be completely burned with fire. And so let me just land the plane there. Um, you got seven. It's, it's the guilt offering and some more details concerning the guilt offering. And a lot of this stuff is just like, it's not redundant. It's just repetitive. Okay. Redundant is like, I get it. I get it. Repetitive is like, I should probably pay attention to this. Especially if you're a priest back in the day and this was your, your duty. You had to do this, right? Moses was like, you better pay attention, right? Because you guys, uh, what you didn't realize as a priest is you're kind of butchers. And uh, there's a lot of rules and regulations that have to happen here. The main thing I think we can take away from this is, is that God is holy and he is absolutely deserving of our very best. And who we are is sinful people. And Again, I, I know I reference this uh, a lot throughout these chapters, reading through them. Um, praise the Lord for Jesus and making one sacrifice, one sacrifice for all of our sins. Again, if you don't, it, you can't read through Leviticus and not just appreciate Jesus that much more, okay? <laughs> when you go through the Gospels and you're like, that one sacrifice, that perfect propitiation, that, you know, substitute sacrifice for us. Man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you that your one sacrifice for all time covers all of our sins. And there is forgiveness for those who have sinned. That's the beauty of it. And the last thing is this, guys. God never withheld his best from us. He never withheld his best from us. He, he gave us his absolute best in, in Jesus. When, when God offered up Jesus, he broke out his finest china for the worst people possible. For a bunch of kids who are going to do nothing but chip and break and scratch and defile and all that good stuff. He never stopped. He never withheld his best from us. He never withheld his best from us. And so I think as we go through Leviticus, I, I think it would, be, it would be good for us to not withhold our best from him. So let's get back to that. And, and I'm not talking about rigid Christianity and, and sterile and cold and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about warm, just a, a warm, real reverence for who God is. And just, man, I want to give you my best. I want to give you my best because you deserve my best.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is making his way through the book of Leviticus. Now, when we open the book of Leviticus, we first read these words. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He starts talking to Moses about the offerings that the people are to bring. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The animals they offered were to be without blemish. Now, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect Lamb of God. And yet the writer of Romans says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We no longer sacrifice animals to cover our sin, but in reverence and in worship of Jesus who paid that price for us once and for all, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The book of Leviticus can open our eyes to how we're to live before the King of Kings. Here at Bread for the Broken, we're committed to helping people find hope and new life in Jesus. To hear other great messages filled with that hope and life, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. That's all that we have for today. Pastor James will be back with you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.